Radio Mano Papachango. afternoon good evening good night whatever it is for you wherever you are hope it's good this is chris welcome to another edition of tangentially speaking uh, i'm coming to you today from northern california took a long drive from colorado uh, i've had a lot of adventures recently pretty crazy uh was with uh, some friends in a amazing spot in colorado and uh, I can't really tell you about the spot. It's a private farm, uh, ranch, actually, ranch, uh, big place, big canyon. Um, and a friend of mine is sort of a caretaker there. And uh, so I can't tell you exactly where we were because the owners probably shouldn't know that he invited friends over. I don't know, whatever. Um, but it's a beautiful area. I was, uh, there were six of us there and myself and and another person took our um those e-bikes that i have from uh, the bmc beautiful e-bikes took them uh, for a ride down to the reservoir jumped in the water here's to you wim hof very cold smoked a joint hanging out and you got to understand we're like probably five miles from the nearest paved road through a gate down dirt roads uh, on all this private land and um, so we get back on the bikes to ride back to the the house and we see this pickup truck coming really fast down the dirt road kicking up lots of dust i think oh shit because we're at a reservoir we had walked around where the dam was and I'm thinking, like, we we set off some kind of motion detector or some, some alarm system or something. Like, this is, we're in trouble here. Because, you know, for them to drive this far uh, indicates that there's a big problem. And we're high. We just smoked this joint. These dudes are coming in some official-looking truck, and shit is not going to be good. Anyway, pull over, uh, wait for them to come. They blow right by us, don't even look at us, go down to the dam, turn around, come back. Like, what is going on? Blow by us again, still don't look at us. Like, they're looking for something, and it's not us. Okay, cool. So we get back on the bikes, ride up, and there are pronghorn antelopes around this place. And this pronghorn antelope starts running along beside us. Now, we're on these e, uh, you know, electric assist mountain bikes. So we're chugging. We're on max. We're pumping. Probably going 20, 25 miles an hour, which doesn't sound fast until you do it on a bike. And it's pretty fast. And this antelope is just sort of like cruising along beside us looking at us like what kind of creature are you two uh and you can tell this antelope's not even like for the antelope it's a stroll because these things somebody explained to me that uh they evolved uh their speed 
in order to escape the uh, North American cheetah, which went extinct about 10,000 years ago. Uh, but the antelopes still have that capacity, even though the, the predator has disappeared, which is an interesting thing when you evolve for something and then that thing that you've evolved in response to disappears and you've got this lingering um, sort of a, a distant echo of a, of a world that no longer exists. Um, there are a lot of examples of that in, in us, obviously. We're evolved to a world that we don't live in, which is sort of the whole point of civilized to death. Um, anyway, so Santa whoops cruising along beside us, just looking at us. It's really cool. And then it crosses the road in front of us. And, and then I hear this, and I look up and there's a freaking helicopter. Like, what is going on? Now we're being chased by a helicopter? Like, this is strong weed. Holy shit. Anyway, the helicopter is circling around over the house where we were staying. So now we realize, uh-oh, something's going on at the house. So we hightail it back to the house. By the way, cool, cool expression, hightail it, which I guess refers to antelopes or deer or something that when they run really fast, their tail goes up. I think that must be what it is. Anyway, we uh, head back to the house. We get there and there are all these like ambulances and rescue vehicles and all this shit there. Turns out our friend was bit by a rattlesnake and uh, got evacuated. Really uh, intense situation. Uh, she's fine. She had 16 vials of antivenom. Uh, and, uh, you know, I just hope the medical bills don't kill her. That's the, that's the real danger in America. Isn't that fucked? You get bit by a snake and, you know, she might she might be looking at a hundred thousand dollar medical bill. Yeah, strange to live in a society that doesn't take care of one another. I mean, can you even call that a society? We have so much money, so much money in America, more than any country has ever had in the history of the world. And yet there's not enough to take care of one another. Strange, strange days. Um, this episode is with a guy named Dan Doty. Very interesting dude. Uh, you know, we've got a lot of crises going on right now in America. Obviously, the crisis around racial injustice um, is at the forefront of a lot of people's minds right now. Rightly so. Uh, that's where it belongs. Um, there are also crises related to economics, as I mentioned, uh, which of course, intertwine with the racial injustice because so many of our uh, non-white brothers and sisters are not and have not uh, received their fair share of opportunity um, and resources. And uh, there's also crisis of... Um, the medical system, which is not just, you know, medical resources, uh, health resources are not distributed equally, again, largely based on class and race. Um, there's also a crisis of masculinity, uh, which time, or, or maybe I should say, I don't know, gender or uh, 
what is a man? What is a woman? Uh, These are questions that are being asked with increasing urgency. And um, I think that's good that they're being asked. And I think it's also very difficult for people who are trying to mature into a sense, you know, of uh, what is expected of them and uh, what freedoms they have, what restrictions they they are facing. Um, And I think that a lot of people in America, especially, are adrift. Their society doesn't really give them a lot of information on how to be a man or a woman or something else, if neither of those labels uh, are comfortable. Um, And maybe one of the reasons that those labels uh, are uncomfortable for an increasing number of people is is exactly what I'm talking about, that that there's not uh, a strong sense of what is expected and, and what is acceptable and what does it mean to be a man or a woman in America. One of the big differences that uh, I've been struck by in my life is how much more comfortable people in Spain are about that uh, question, about what it means to be a man or a woman. They seem to be um, uh, I don't know. There, there's a, a clearer sense of what those terms mean and, and people seem to be comfortable with them in a way that Americans in general are not. There's so much shame associated um, with both the male and female perspective on life in America. Um, and anyway, the the point is that Dan Doty is uh, a man who is very interested in looking into this issue of what it means to be a man, um, integrating uh, vulnerability and... Um, kindness and uh, sincerity uh, into um, a sense of masculinity that includes the sort of conventional qualities of strength and protectiveness and um, stoicism and all that kind of stuff. And uh, so he's doing important work. And I was really happy to have this opportunity to chat with him. It's been uh, a couple of months, maybe, since we had this conversation. So you might hear some things or or wonder why we're not talking about what's going on in the streets. And it's just because we had this conversation a while back. As I've mentioned, I've been banking uh, recordings in anticipation of the fact that I'm going to be spending the summer you know, in the woods and uh, won't have a strong Wi-Fi signal. And I can't really do these interviews on a you know cell phone uh, bandwidth, so uh, the intros will be current, but some of the conversations are are from a while back. Um, anyway, so I, I just think this is so important to really look into these issues of what masculinity is and and what it can be, what it can include, because I feel like so much of the conversation is so. Uh, 
limited in the United States that, and I get a lot of emails from young men who are clearly seeking some kind of guidance in, you know, how do I mature into a kind of man that is a decent and kind and respectable, but also uh, embodies some strength and um, qualities that, you know, that I think men are naturally drawn to and, and also, to be honest, that I think women are drawn to. But because, you know, aggression and strength get confused in, in our culture so much, um, I think that uh, it can be difficult to tease these things out and to understand that sometimes the greatest display of strength is vulnerability and uh, kindness and and gentleness can be um, expressions of, of extreme strength. And uh, that's something that, that I think a lot of men need to understand. And Dan Doty is helping them do that. Um, yeah, I uh, first heard of Dan. He he runs a, an organization called Everyman E V R E E V R Y M A N. So it just leaves out the the second E in every. Um, and uh, yeah, there a, a guy that uh, I met last year on the van trip up in Canada. He actually builds houses, log houses. He's like a chainsaw um, ninja. And he told me about Dan and, and encouraged me to get in touch with him. And then he introduced us. You'll hear we, we give him a shout out and, and talk about that connection in the conversation. Uh, I've got so much to say, but I hear a leaf blower uh, has just started in the neighborhood where I'm recording this. Um, so I'm probably going to just cut this off. I'm going to play you out with a song called One Good Man <laughs> All right, by Janis Joplin. The great Janis Joplin. It's a blues, very classic kind of blues tune. So I hope you're in the mood for that. And I hope you enjoy this conversation with Dan Doty. You can check him out. His name is D-A-N and last name Doty, D-O-T-Y. Um, he's got a website. And as I said, Everyman, E-V-R-Y-M-A-N is the name of the organization um, that you'll hear us talking about. Thank you for listening to this. And uh, thank you for your support of the podcast, however that manifests. I really appreciate uh, knowing that you're on the other side of these cables and technology out there. Um, and it's, uh, it's an honor to be in your ear hole. All right. I'll talk to you again soon.
Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to one of the first remotely recorded episodes of Tangentially Speaking. My guest is Dan Doty. Am I pronouncing it correctly? You are, yeah. Is it Doty? Doty, Doty. Nailed it. (laughs) It's not a tough one, but you never know. I'm surprised. I get get a lot of Doty. I've been, my whole life, I've been Dan Doty. It's just like, yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I stomach it. Mostly I don't. Before I forget, I just want to give a shout out to our mutual friend, Travis Anderson, yeah, uh, he has been hounding me to get you on this podcast. I met him uh, last summer when I was on a van trip. I, I don't okay. know how much you know. I spend summers in this big red van yeah. called Scarlett Joe Vanson yeah. and um, stopped in in uh, I guess he's up in Jasper. 
and hung out with him and his partner for a while. They took us out on a canoe ride in the on a lake in a canoe that he had built himself and showed us some of the log buildings that he does. And he's he's a really cool guy. He's a rad guy. Um, he did a uh, yeah. did he tell you? He may have told you he did a a live demo of um, how to do the basic cuts for a log cabin in front of 60 dudes at one of our retreats. It was a, it was a real <laughs> highlight. It was amazing. Yeah. 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 Well, he's the reason I bring him up aside from just common courtesy, but um, you know, I go on these van trips and um, I'll occasionally hold a get together because I think one of the beauties of podcasting is that it creates community. Yeah. And so uh, I, I feel like in the case of this podcast, the community tends to be a certain kind of person. I'd say mm-hmm. probably 70 or 80% are men. Um, and those men are, are really, I, I mean, I, I hate to sound like I'm sucking up to the audience, you know, but the truth is they're really good guys. Yeah. They're guys like Travis. Yeah. And a lot of them, uh, I'm traveling with last summer. I was traveling with a woman named Anya, who's a very interesting person, has her own podcast. And every time we do these things, she's like, man, your audience, they're the certain kind of guy. And, and what she nailed is that they are really masculine, manly men. They're doing manly stuff, right? Like Travis is a great example, building houses out of logs with a fucking chainsaw, you know, like how much more manly can you be? But they're they're tender they're they they're in touch with some vulnerability they're um they're sensitive and intelligent and nuanced guys Mm -hmm. but they're living in these very masculine worlds well you're talking about my kind of guy man well that's it exactly i mean i watched some of your videos recently preparing for this and i see that's exactly what you're trying to do is to support and nurture those kinds of men so i guess there's a lot of overlap in your world in my world well as as we bring up potentially mutual friends and and i may strike out here but i'll try it there's um i don't remember his last name a man named elbert who's from la and i he showed me a picture of you with him i think he was a huge fan of yours and i know he lived in a van in la for a while he came to one of our retreats and then i i think about maybe 16 or 17 months later. Yeah, I know, Albert. You know, you know Sorry to interrupt you. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Asian Asian dude, yes, right? Yes, Yeah, super cool guy. He's living in his van while he was working in a bank. Yes, <laughs> yes. Right? Exactly, yes. <laughs> and he was, he was, when I bought my van, he pledged me, what was it? Like, it was a lot of money. It was like a couple hundred bucks a month for six months. Wow. And he's like, I just want to let you know this is going to be coming in for six months. And it was maybe it was even like five hundred bucks. And it was like, I just want to help you outfit your van because I live in a van and it's great and I'm really happy you're doing this. Amazing dude. Yeah. 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 Okay. He, Sorry to interrupt no, you, but I, I wanted to acknowledge I do know who you're talking about. Amazing dude. And and what I saw him go through. So I I met him at a retreat, and then I sat with him. I don't know. 18 months later and the the transition that that guy went through and he brought you up every damn time I saw him, you know? So just, just, <laughs> just, just to name it that, you know, you made a, you have made a huge impact on him. And uh, yeah, that's cool. And both of those guys, I, I would go to bat for pretty much do anything for both those guys, Travis and, and uh, Albert. So there you go. 
Yeah. And I guess there are a lot of guys similar to them who come into your orbit. Um, tell us about what you do before we, we go yeah. further into it. Just sort of outline what it is you do. Yeah, so I'm the co-founder of Every Man, the organization Every Man, and um, I have a lot of hats there. But what the organization does is it is a community for men to to get together. There's two things that we're fighting against. I think that helps define it. We're fighting against uh, emotional repression in general, just basically bottling things up, and uh, social isolation. Those are the two things that uh, we see as the heart and the root and sort of the source just of a lot of a lot of suffering for men and women and society in general. And so uh, we we do well, we used to and we will again do in person weekend retreats. We do wilderness expeditions. I lead wilderness eight day wilderness expeditions and national parks. Uh, and we help men form their own peer to peer men's groups, um, which are which is and has over. So we've been around for three years. There have been versions of this in the world for for a long time, we're not. We didn't necessarily invent the concept here, uh, but what we've done is really begin to. We're still nowhere near mainstream, but we are making it approachable and accessible. Um, and really, the bottom line is to give men to be to give them permission to, to be who they are. Right. So if they're if they're like tough and burly, then be tough and burly. But if they have a if they have a tender heart in there that they don't get to share, then let's it's a place to you know to be that too. And so we we're not prescribing for men to be any one thing. Quite the opposite. We're just creating a space and a community uh, based around very simple and effective uh, somatic and emotional practices. So somatic being. Um, paying attention to our body and paying attention to our emotions and speaking from that place and interacting from that place, uh, which carries a huge, huge impact of benefit very, very quickly. So that's, uh, that's what we do. I, I host the podcast. I'm the vision. I'm the, the face. I'm, I'm the, the voice of the company and I do a lot of the writing and my mission is just to, um, yeah, you know, s support really my mission is to, is to help, ease suffering on the planet, but uh, I'm doing that primarily through making men healthier, helping men get healthier. Um, How do you describe health? And is a man's health different from a woman's health? Yeah, I'll, ask, I'll answer the second part differently. I, I don't think so. I don't think a man's health is necessarily different from a, a woman's health. I, I feel uh, the way I picture health is, is the idea of a full spectrum health or, you know, an old old term or a, a normal term would be holistic health, which would be mental, emotional, spiritual, physical, um, fitness, nutrition, all of all of the things, all of the things. And um, when I so I don't believe that uh, men's health is, is, is fundamentally at its core different than women's health. I do feel that because of enculturation and how I've been raised and just general societal things and familial things that, that there do, there had, there tends to be some qualities of, um, of health for men that are uh, apropos and normal and normalized and easy to access. You know, you got the, the, the David Goggins and the and the and the you know the fitness and the nutrition and the supplements and that's to me sort of the mm. lowest hanging fruit for for what guys think about I mean look at the men's health magazine uh, right it's all about abs yeah and what's what is most ignored is uh, social and emotional health for men right and I, I right. could go further and maybe say sexual and spiritual but that's not necessarily the realm of every man um, 
but yeah, th- those parts, those natural human connective, uh, you know, parts of us that for men are, are oftentimes, um, it, maybe they're not fully unaddressed or maybe they are fully unaddressed, but they're often not tended very well. They're, they're not tended to yeah. very well. Well, you know, I you mentioned two things at the beginning, um, uh, sort of disconnection or, or separation from our emotional mm-hmm. um, yeah. lives, and also social isolation as being two of the main foci of what you're trying to work with. Uh, I would I would argue that you know you sort of brush past the sexual and the spiritual there but i think those are so important mm-hmm. in generating the social social isolation and also the separation from our emotional lives because there's so much shame and guilt around sexuality and our sexual appetites and expressions and and you know that it creates a schism within us um both for men and women i i I don't know. I sent I you civilized you. to death. I, I would agree with you. And I, I'm, you know, I'm, I read your book, um, Sex at Dawn, I think when it first came oh, okay. out. Okay. So you, you knew I was going to go there. So, totally. And I'm happily, man. Honestly, <laughs> I wanted to warn you. If you... Well, honestly, I'm, you know, there's my intention only goes so far, but my intention with every man is, is that uh, once we really catch our, our full sustainable groove and we grow, um, I want to bring that stuff in. I, I, w- I want it to be a place, and it is talked about, right? I mean, what basically we're just creating sure. a space where where we can open up about all the shit that we don't open up about. That's kind of the operational reality of it. Um, but I couldn't agree more about the, the sexuality and the spirituality. Honestly, the, some of the reasons to choose that. First of all, I'm not the expert on uh, on sexuality, and, and I probably don't have personally have the chops to take men there. Um, the spiritual has been more a sense of not wanting to push people away in terms of um, being too woo-woo or too prescriptive, right? But yeah, man, sure. the, the intention in the big picture to- is absolutely to incorporate all, all of those all of those elements. You know, I, one theme that runs through my life is, you know, I've, I've written this book, Civilized to Death, and one of the arguments in that is that it seems that in so many aspects of our lives, moving forward is easily seen as a sort of a going home, right? Mm-hmm. Going back to the way it used to be sure. when our species evolved. Whether we're talking about you know evolutionary um, medicine or paleo diets or paleo workouts, CrossFit, you know, like all this stuff is kind of like, well, let's replicate this aspect of our ancestors' lives, right? Yeah, yeah. and it. It feels like what you and, and other people who do things like these wilderness, uh, I just had a guy on a few weeks ago who does these wilderness um, experiences for young boys between 12 yeah. and 18. Um, That's you know, started. what is That's this? How I started my career. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I heard you talking about that sitting in the desert on the tarp mm-hmm. with a kid for five days who was, you know, feeling uh, despondent and, um, you know, it, it feels to me like so much of what we're trying to do is recreate a primordial human experience. Uh, and and specific to what you're doing, it's often occurred to me that in most hunter-gatherer groups, uh, the men would go out hunting together. Yeah. And they'd spend a lot of time together, just the dudes, mm-hmm. you know, taking care of each other, have each other's backs, 
sharing the weapons that they're using, sharing hunting tips, uh, you know, coordinating their movements, maybe if they're hunting larger animals, that this goes really deeply into our experience as human beings, specifically as men, because men tend to be the hunters in those groups. Yeah. Um, I wonder if that resonates for you. Like all the way through to a, like to the deepest part of me. I've been living, I've had the fortune, I mean, if you call it fortune, to live a lot of my adult life in bands of guys in the wilderness. And, um, you know, and some of those experiences were, were, for example, these wilderness therapeutic programs where I worked with young men out there. They were designed to to uh, peel back the the restrictions of how we interacted and, and make a place where we could own, you know, all the parts of ourselves. And then I I was uh, for a handful of years I was the director and producer of a of a wilderness hunting show called Meat Eater. And again, there I was like flying around the world in a and this was actual a modern version of the, uh-huh. the band of of brothers out hunting big game. Like it's actually what we did. Um, and our intention there wasn't, you know, therapeutic, our intention there wasn't, uh, fuzzy and, and, but it was a good, like loving group of guys that got to have some big adventures together, you know? Um, so I've been, yeah, I think that's Ro- Joe Rogan loves that show, right? I think I, he's recommended I, I that got to me be there on his first meal. Well, I was part of the crew that took him on his first meal deer hunt. I've gone on four, four hunts with Joe. Um, oh, okay. and, uh, cool. yeah, so I got to be there for, for some cool moments with, with him. Um, but yeah, I think it is, it is deeply, it is a primordial, uh, way of being. And, you know, with every man, honestly, you know, if I was going to be very selfish and talk about why every man is that I, I was, I kind of came in, I kind of was born both with a, uh, you know, that sort of uh, standard masculine thing. I I like adventure. I I like challenge. I, you know, I, I happen to have a, 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 you know, body that guy, you know, just guys like, Oh, there's a dude, you know, like I'm a dude. And, and I've always been, uh, I've always had a, I've always had a sensitivity to me, you know, a, a spiritual sensitivity and emotional sensitivity and awareness of other people. And, um, you know, if I were to be incredibly selfish is, is that I, I wanted a community of people where I could you know, be all of that, not have to withhold parts of myself, um, you know, just to make other pe- people, accept me or feel comfortable whatever that is i think uh but i do feel like there is a there is a natural sense or an organic sense or yeah primordiality is a or an unconditioned i guess would be another word that i'd say to describe it of um of that all male space and and when and when the restrictions are peeled back and we're able to and this this happens naturally from it so whether you're at war with like your 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 teammates like and this is what one of the things i think the special forces offers such a such a brilliant window into uh like a full-fledged experience of of men's relationship with each other because those guys are not afraid to, to show how much they love each other those guys do not hold back who they are they, they you know they they and and they're kind of forced into that and i have some some of my closest friends have have got had lives um built on that and so but one of the most remarkable things that i that i want to show the world is that when uh, men have the permission to just be themselves all the way or at least as much as they're capable of being what happens is just utterly 
brilliant and beautiful and compelling and, and, um, and you know, in our culture, the mental health of men is suffering. It is on statistically and on a whole, um, there, there's, there's some real, uh, there's some real troubling trends. And, uh, and I think that this primordial way of being, when guys get a, a hit of it, when they get a sense of it, just, they just fucking relax, man. <laughs> you know, they just, it just does something. It does something on a very deep level. Do you think that there needs to be some sort of a challenge for men to organize around for that to work? I mean, we've talked about hunting, yeah. uh, which is a challenge. Um, I know that, I don't know if you've read much, uh, Sebastian Junger, yeah, I imagine you, for sure. you're probably quite familiar. Yeah. Uh, I remember seeing him do an interview. I think it was maybe after tribe came out and, uh, the interviewer said to him, it, this, no, it wasn't tribe. It, it was, um, he did a book where he was embedded with Marines in Afghanistan okay. in the Korangal Valley. And, uh, I think there was a documentary film that he made yeah, and, and also a book associated yeah. with it. Yeah. Um, anyway, and these guys were in this horrible position. They were being like attacked day after day after day. They were this sort of spearhead position and they were defending this, this ridiculous chunk of rock. And, uh, the interviewer said to him, like, why do these guys do this? Right. Why do they stay? Why do they sign up for and re-enlist? Right. Um, because they don't give a shit about like international trade routes or, you know, the strategic importance of the U.S. having a military presence right next to China between Pakistan. Like, that's that's not what they're thinking about, like pipelines and stuff. And Junger said, oh, they they do it for love. Mm -hmm. And when he said that, I was so struck by that. These guys are out there shooting at other guys who are also, by the way, doing it for love. They're doing it. Because they're they've got their brothers back because they they're a unit yeah. that cares about each other and even if they would hate each other in normal life they love each other there because they're so dependent on one another and it just the tragedy struck me you know of how how horrible things need to get for that beauty to sprout and flourish in us that brings up a kind of an analog to that I've thought about for a long time is uh, I, one part of my life that's important to me is, is a, is a longstanding and, and deep meditation practice. And, uh, <clears throat> and I'm also friends with a lot of uh, high adventure types. Right. And so I, I read all right. these accounts of, you know, wingsuit jumpers and uh, big wall climbers and these things. And they describe to me the state um, of being that they get from those activities. And as they give me these yeah. words and I'm saying, dude, I'm getting that by sitting down and meditating. Like, do you really need mm. to go to that extraordinary dangerous ends to find that state? And I'm, you know, I never assume, you know, another's reality is another's reality. And, 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 you know, I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna shit on that. But, um, my answer to your question, do I feel like there needs to be a challenge to it? Honestly, I, I don't. Honestly, I don't. I, hmm. I think that it's, I would say a, a couple things. I think that challenge offers the conditions for laying it all out on the table 
and for you know bearing your 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 whole self your soul your insecurities you can fail you fuck up in front of people you do all this um and it's i think it it like and it may actually even take you further so you know there might be grades of this i, I maybe the challenge takes you to like a to a place you can't get anywhere else maybe that's true but um i mean in this work that we do with every man what i've been doing for a long time um, even back to when I was, you know, young twenties doing this therapeutic work, like with the, with the right conditions and the willingness to, um, to go to that level of transparency and vulnerability out of your own choice, the, the, the effects are, the effects are just as real and big and powerful. The bonding that occurs, you, you can't argue with it. I mean, the, the bonds, and it happens fast. And this, this is so important to me. It happens fast. The, the, mm. So our basic methodology is, is about getting out of our heads and speaking from our, 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 our bodies and, and our feelings, our hearts, right? So it's, it's really a hack to be present with one, with one another. It's kind of way, one way to say it. Um, but when you tell somebody, you know, what you don't want to say, what you, what you don't tell other people, and there's this, the first kind of low hanging fruit that happens is everybody's like, my God, you feel that too. And everybody thinks that their yeah. greatest secret is their greatest secret. But actually 98% of the humans in this room with you feel that's, it's just like, it just changes the fucking. Well, there's your challenge, right? It I mean, is. there is a challenge. It's a hu- it it's, is. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it is emotionally and internally. Well, that's yeah. Great point. And it, it's very true. The, the feelings of fear that come up when you ask men to to share, it, it, you know, that moment is uh, it. I often use the the metaphor of standing, you know, on the top of a cliff that you're going to jump off, like a high a cliff way higher than you want to jump off of into the water. Actually, I got to say this: I saw I was on your Instagram. I saw you jump off a cliff into the water in um, Paradise. Was it Paradise, Montana? do you know what I'm, did you did you go through yeah. montana yeah it was right near paradise yeah I jumped yeah off the, i used to run the same I rock used to run river trips right past that fucking rock man I, i'm glad i remembered that um, oh that's funny that's right yeah uh yeah what's the river that it's clark a guy's fork. name the clark fork clark fork yeah. river yeah 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 that was a great i mean again the podcast has been so enriching in my life i was on the van trip mm-hmm. And this guy named Ian Stokes uh, emailed me or contacted me through Instagram. And he wasn't around, but he said, hey, I see you're in Montana. I grew up there. Um, I'm going to drop a pin at my favorite camping spot right on this river. And there's a swimming hole right next to it. And he did. And he said, my parents are nearby. They're really cool. And, you know, if you get a chance, you should meet them, whatever. So we went to this dropped pin and we found the camp spot. And it was so great and we ended up spending like a week and a half there or something met the dude's parents had dinner like it just turned into this whole you know blossoming friendship (laughs) still haven't met ian but i know his parents pretty well and i've jumped off that (laughs) rock yeah that was great yeah sorry for the the detour but i had i had to bring that up but but you're right the challenge and that the the challenge of that vulnerability is immense And, and this is yeah, I don't actually don't often say it with this level of, uh, I guess, purchase or, or or emphasis behind it, but 
that if you if you're going to contextualize that emotional vulnerability as a sort of an extreme activity extreme sport i would love to turn man's attention to that because what comes out of that extreme sport comes a a deeper quality of life and love for that man and his yeah. family and his children and his children's children and his workplace and like the the benefit that can come out of that is remarkable not to say there's not benefit that comes out and changes the world from free soloing up cliffs but um you know i guess i yeah well i'll tell you i mean the name of this podcast is tangentially speaking so don't be at all afraid of wandering off somewhere right uh you know the here's a tangent for you ian's mother who i had on the podcast because she leads trips to africa and has been for years she introduced me to a friend of hers in uh a bozeman maybe uh named jeff shapiro who's a very well-known uh wingsuit Okay. The guy yeah. and base jumper and you know, all that kind of stuff. And he's in his 40s, so he's a veteran. Yeah. And I had him on the podcast, and it was a really interesting conversation um, because essentially his take on it, and, and I think this aligns with what you just said, is that the reason he's done this so long wasn't to show off or to defy death or whatever. It was that it it stripped all the bullshit out of his life. And so what he felt was when he was gearing up to have the experience and then had the experience and then afterwards was like there was just this absolute cleanliness yeah. and everything was real. There was no plastic. There was no filler. There was no nonsense. It was all absolutely real. And that kind of focus, which you can get from meditation or you can get, I would argue, in sexuality or in extreme sports or, you know, just playing with a child or an animal. You know, these are things we crave because there's so much bullshit in our lives. So anything that can eliminate and filter out that bullshit is really useful. Yeah, even as you just described that state, I just kind of like want to fall into it. <laughs> like there's, there's, there's not much more compelling yeah. for me than than that. Uh, um, yeah, clarity. Or I went on a hunting trip last year, yeah. first hunting trip of my life, um, in Hawaii uh, with a bow and arrow. Oh, cool! Hunting pigs, yeah. and um, yeah, that was. I spent a lot of time in the woods, but I I didn't grow up hunting. I grew up in Pennsylvania. There were a lot of deer hunters around, but they just struck me as a bunch of you know, yahoos. They they weren't. It wasn't my idea of hunting. But when I had this experience with the bow and arrow, it was really interesting. I I shot a pig the first day, and then I decided I I wasn't going to shoot anymore. Um, but I went out every day, yeah. and I just moved, and and the the focus. Even though I wasn't intending to shoot anything, just being out there with this, with the the bow and arrow and the the sort of intention and the quality of consciousness of am I go, am I walking upwind or downwind and you know where would they be right now and how would they move and it, stalking I guess is the you know the term it was really relaxing yeah really interesting yeah yeah I enjoyed it a lot yeah I. Um... I've spent a lot of a lot of hours, a lot of days and weeks doing that, and, and um, I I love it. I love those moments. 
I you know what what floats my boat more than anything, and I'm I'm not sure, I'm not sure where this comes from comes from what it's all about. But I just like to squat by a fucking fire. I like to just oh, shit yeah. in the woods. I like to just wake up and I like to be on. I like to just feel the. I don't know. I just like to be out living in nature, and and I've and I've taken a lot of my life to do that, and. You know, that's, that's, I've always, when I was younger, it kind of troubled me. I was like, ah, I'm not a climber. I'm not a, you know, I'm not just the craziest hardcore hunter. I'm, I'm not, I couldn't define myself, you know, by any one activity, which is a common, you know, kind of a common male trope to, to be defined by what you do and, and your activity. Um, I outgrew that now, you know, I just, and so we live, I live with, I have two little boys and, and my beautiful wife. We live in an RV um, on the edge of a wilderness, uh, by oh, up in the mountains in Southern California, right on the edge of, um, I mean, we're, we're living, it's kind of my dream. We're living like, as, uh, you know, I spent all, probably a couple thousand nights of my life and under a tarp or in a tent. And this is, this is the closest to that in a way that, uh, a yeah. family can, you know, thrive, yeah. thrive into, um, I hear that. And I'm sure we, we won't live like yeah. this forever, but that, 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 I don't know. That's, that's, that's it for me. Just like, like nature just, it just does it for me. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I hear that, man. I often say that my van is a 58 year old's version of a backpack. Beautiful. Like, you know, cause I lived all like most of my twenties and some of my thirties backpacking around the world. And I just love that feeling of everything I need. I've got it. Yeah. I got my music. I got, I got um, a bag of nuts and a you know dry salami. I I got my tent. I got my sleeping bag. I got a water filter. Like whatever I need, whatever happens, I'm good for at least a few days. You know, uh, I just love that feeling, and that's how I feel in the van. It's like oh whatever, flat tire, engine breaks down. I'll just pull over and crack a beer open. You know, <laughs> it's, I got I got like a week's worth of everything I need right here. It's I love that feeling. So uh, getting back into like some of the more substance of what you're doing, how do you how do you feel about what's going on now? Because I, I watched this video of yours this morning where you started off uh, talking about the crisis of masculinity. And, uh, you know, the quote was something like, you know, we're, we're trapped between the old masculinity, which doesn't work anymore, and a new one, which hasn't appeared yet. And so we're stuck in the middle of this transitional phase. And then you, you pointed out like, oh, by the way, that quote, it isn't from today. It's from Thomas Carlyle, I think it was, you know, Thomas, a couple hundred exactly. years. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, if this is a transitional period, it's a goddamn long one. Like when, where, why are we still stuck here if it's been so long? So yeah, that, I, I, in doing the research and doing some research for that talk, that specific talk I gave, it was fascinating to to dig up the the reality that this this what well, if it, if there is a crisis of masculinity, if that's something that is happening, if you want to label it that way, it has been on a cycle. It has been happening on a maybe not necessarily every generation, but uh, there was a major one during Teddy Roosevelt's time. Uh, Teddy, Ro- Teddy oh, yeah. Roosevelt was a known as a feeble and weak, you know, young guy. And he got sent out to my home state, North Dakota, out west to get toughened up on a dude ranch, and which is where he sort of uh, uh, kind of kindled his fire for, for nature and for conservation, which is a different story. But, um, yeah, I feel like 
what I feel like is maybe happening with this crisis of mass. I so I do think we're in a moment or a, an extended moment right now. I I do feel like the the propulsion of of technology and the just the careening the the explosion of of uh, I guess the ramping up of the speed of cultural change right now is certainly um, highlighting something. But I do believe that there's there is just a an age-old tension. I don't know how far it goes back, but I think it it probably could be could be linked to industrialization, and uh, you know the as humans started to congregate more in cities, and I guess as we probably moved away from that primordial, more primordial way of life, whatever you want to call that, um, I think there is just an inherent tension of this. You know, men are in their core or historically have been um the the part of the human species to to go to violence to go to protection to go to war to go to um he- heavy labor and and you know i actually think it's probably far more permeable and shared i mean I, I, this i can't i'm not a historian i don't i can't speak to it directly but um i just think it's speaking to a chasm within us it's it's speaking to um our own nature on the inside that i, I feel like a lot of men today and probably in Thomas Carlyle's time and certainly in Teddy Roosevelt's time, because that's what those guys were talking about, is that men didn't have those classic spaces to be manly anymore. Right. And so there's it kind of threw, you know, men into a, uh, a, a lack of identity. I think this all has a lot to do with just um, foundational identity and, and men being comfortable with who they are. And so I feel like if you know all of our men are um if the standards and and they still stick right you know there still are the things about about being tough and about you know working hard kind of the the classical tropes of masculinity they're still around they they, they haven't they haven't gone away um but men don't have an opportunity a lot of times to to exercise that parts of them. And actually this goes back to your question about challenge. So one of my buddies Rourke Denver was a commander of the Navy SEALs. Um, I got to go on some hunts with him and, and we stay in good contact. And, and so, you know, we talk about what I do and talk about what he does. And so his answer to that would be absolutely challenge is crucial, right? Like you got to get out there and get after it and get beaten down and, you know, do all of that stuff. And, you know, I, I totally respect his opinion on that, but I, I think that, one thing that came out of that conversation with him that really stuck with me is that in those scenarios, so, you know, if you're in, you know, buds training or, or something that's incredibly hard there, there, you get to a level where you just, you feel like you don't have to prove anything anymore. Right. Like, like Rourke doesn't, will never have to like prove his manliness anymore. And even myself, I would say that to a sense, like, I don't, I don't walk around feeling like I have to, I don't know, lift heavier than other people or hike farther or anything like that. And and so I just believe there's a a tension there in a lot of men that that points them toward almost like an obsession to prove themselves in a way, you know, to to show that they are a man, to prove that and I think that's probably pretty deep wiring, right? And I don't know if it maybe has to do with our our mating and all these things and I think that's so I think that's crucial. And and there's this other the other parts of us, the the part of me that, awo- I mean, it was, it, it woke up first earlier, but when I had kids, it's just like, there's this massive well of love and care inside of me. 
and you know to to I feel like there's so I feel like there's just a lot of frustration. Men aren't they don't get to like get that like whatever that 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 um, sort of movement of of energy that that could be destructive or not necessarily in a bad way or the the fullness of their their love and their care for others. So I feel like those are kind of men are just kind of trapped in these walls. And I'm I'm kind of making this shit up, you know, but but I but I could see how throughout history there were times where those those walls kind of came in on men a little bit more, and um, and I think that is happening today. I really I really do, and I think the um, the change in in women's empowerment and the Me Too movement. I mean, I I also feel like the world is literally asking something different of us right now. Like like in men's role. So like I, I often ask the question, what is men's role today? What's the world asking of us? My my main answer that I go back to is to, um, first of all, take care of this damn planet so we can continue living and our children can have a life. Um, and then, you know, make, you know, make it so the next generation is good. And I actually think cleaning up our own internal shit is a big part of that. I, I think that's one of the biggest things men can do today um, to see that their children are healthy, the world's healthy, and that our, our, our internalized trauma and, and all of this stuff that um, it, it does, it comes out and it hurts other people. I sometimes feel like we envision things as in terms of men and women or masculine and feminine, um, but I often feel that it's human versus um, inhuman. Mm-hmm. In the sense that, you know, I think one of the major crises that men are facing right now is in the United States is that there's no way to make a decent living just by being a man, by being bigger and stronger and quicker. And you know what I mean? Uh, You can't go down to the steel plant and, you know, get a union job and support a family. So the things that this, these sort of, um, you know, you call the masculine tropes earlier, and and I'm interested your opinion. Like, are there qualities of masculinity that are not culturally determined? Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Important question. So, um, I have only in the past maybe handful of months uh, even been willing to start using the terms masculinity and femininity for for the most part and mm. I made a, a choice early on that that's not what that's not what I'm talking about that's not what every man's about I actually think it's a more problematic uh, term in this moment than it's helpful um, interesting I feel like mm. it's just I've, it's pretty well impossible to label anything masculine or feminine and not incite an automatic leaning by men, you know, like, like if something's feminine and, and I think that, you know, there could be many, I could be, I'm very willing to be wrong about this, but I still do feel there's such an aversion by a lot of boys and men. If you call something feminine, they're going to be like, uh, no, no, you know, that's not me. me. I can't like, and, and so I have really tried very hard to, to keep that avoid topic. How, now, on a sort of more subtle level, um, I do think there's value in more of the esoteric, classical definitions of masculinity and femininity. Some, you know, from like the Vajrayana and Buddhism or things, where 
in in that world, um, masculinity is defined as awareness, pure awareness, sort of the observer of what's happening. And femininity is is all motion, all life, everything that's happening. But that's not helpful to talk about in general. That's not a, you know, I, that doesn't land for 99.8% of the people on the planet. So, yeah. so yeah, I, um, I don't know if I've just taken the bait lately, uh, but I've been more willing to... <laughs> Um, go into that space of talking about masculinity and femininity, but I'm still pretty, eh, you know, it doesn't. It's yeah, I see what you're saying. I, uh, one one time I was on uh, Joe Rogan's podcast and we were talking about masculinity, and um, we agreed that some of the most masculine men we know are gay. Yeah, because they faced something really hard and really scary and they fucking you know risked everything to say you know what fuck it this is who i am i don't care if my family rejects me my friends reject me i get the shit kicked out of me i am what i am and i'm gonna stand up for that and and to me that's an incredibly masculine thing to do now i don't want to I agree with you. It's very hard to say, and that's why I asked the question, what is masculine? What is feminine? You know, those things are, it's, it's you know, is, is having feelings feminine? No, it's part of being a man, too. Of course it is. Yeah. So, yeah, these we get caught in our definitions. But I do feel like there are some things that can be traced back, as you said, to wiring, right? Deep wiring. For example, um, I'm kind of I, I did a rant recently about mansplaining and how, you know, mansplaining is, is seen as this ridiculous thing or man spreading. Right. You know, like you sit with your legs open. Yeah, we sit with our legs open because we have balls. All right. Now, you know, if you if your tits were between your legs, ladies, you would also woman spread. You know, I mean, it's ridiculous that we get blamed for this. And uh, you know, so some things can be traced back to biology, yeah. right? Sure. I mean, for sure. Like women have a heightened sense of vulnerability, I think, com- relative to men. Most women, and I'm talking about most men, not a small man, right? A small man probably feels like I can get my ass kicked anytime. But generally, men are bigger than women. So women have this sense of vulnerability that men don't. I mean, you know, so I think that the things that are that we can trace back to the body or to like clear evolutionary uh, issues like women give birth and men don't women menstruate men don't Um, I think those things are legit but beyond that it becomes so culturally conditioned and so slippery and problematic to talk about what I mean do you have a working definition for what is a man as opposed to a boy? Yeah. Oh, as opposed to a boy? Well, that's that's a good question. Um, I've explored that a bunch. Uh, I feel like, um, not a concise definition, I guess, but I, I think it's a pretty, this is a question I've got to ask a lot of men, uh, and the in- answers are quite interesting, and it varies very widely. Um, but the answers tend to have to do with an internal sense of... Um, what would the right word be ownership or agency a combination of mm. ownership and agency and um self-assuredness right like you said earlier i don't feel like i need to prove myself yeah. to anyone 
Is that when a boy becomes a man when you're like, okay, you know what? I'm done proving. I'm I'm done trying to impress people. I I think that I think that's one of the qualities where I see uh, what what is sort of sad but also fascinating is that a lot of men whether they're in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s and on, a lot of men still don't feel like a man. They don't. They 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 don't feel like if they're asked that question, they can't answer it confidently, right? Um, right. Or if you ask them when it happened, um, the number one answer for for where they say it happened is when they became a father. Um, that that mm. has been the the statistically most common answer for for when that shift occurs. You know, in my and so I work, I also coach men. I, so I've worked with so many dudes at this point. There seems to be a pattern that I'm really interested in that that comes or tends to come around. Um, it's different for everybody, but there is a pattern on late 20s, early 30s, maybe mid 30s, and maybe the timing is shifting. But to me, it has to do with commitment and it has to do with like choosing maybe, you know, whether that's professional or whether that's a spiritual path or whether that's a committed partner or commitment to yourself or there seems to be a uh, and that can have actually I did a podcast earlier with my buddy Remy Warren, who's a if you want to have an amazing podcast, he's a he's a famous professional hunter and he's been on Joe's show and um, actually Remy and I were on Joe's show together many years ago for a TV show we created together and um, he made a choice he just told me a story today he, he got out of high school and his parents sat him down and said hey what do you what are you going to do you know what do you want to do and he's like well what I really want to do is take all falls off and I want to travel around and hunt and I want to write a book um, and his parents had the amazing support and the wherewithal to, to support him in doing this. And he just did it. He's been doing it for 18 years and he's wildly successful. He's deeply self-assured. He knows himself. He knows what he loves. Um, and so, you know, I don't think age necessarily has to play into it. But but there is something in that of, of uh, owning one's truth, right? Owning mm. what's true for and that, and that's that's kind of what we're exactly what we're in the business in at Everyman is help giving guys a place to, to find and own that. Um, so maybe yeah, even just talking it out, that would maybe be my working hypothesis, is that when a man gets enough in touch with his truth to own it and live it. So I imagine at some point in in these gatherings. Maybe a man's truth is that he's gay. Absolutely. I mean, does does that come oh, yeah. up, and how does that affect the chemistry of the conversation? It's one of the most beautiful things that I've ever. The one of the deepest sort of sets of like rewards and gems and gold from from this experiment. What we've been doing is that, yeah, whether it's a man who comes out as gay or a man who's had gay experiences or he's bisexual or. Or, um, you know, whatever difference, whatever difference we walk into that room with, like the 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 nat when we when we can set up the structure to to see each other and interact from this human way where we're no longer up here in our habitual patterns. Like, and actually, I have zero examples of this going south. This is like men mm. show up in honor and respect and love for each other because it's fucking scary to say that scary thing. Yeah. It's fucking scary to out yourself. And one of the most beautiful, there's this um, really fairly well-known yoga teacher named Mark Holzman. 
and he's, he's a gay man. He came and he led yoga for, you know, 870 guys uh, in our barn at a retreat. And then he did the experience and he did, he did the weekend with us. And um, he said something so meaningful to me personally at the end of it. And it was that uh, he's like, I am so, I mean, first of all, he just had a remarkable experience. And he shared about how, you know, the LGBTQ community has kind of a, a lockdown on the the feeling closeted right and she's like every one of these dudes i met had their own fucking closet he's like i can't believe it yeah and so when you said that about you and rogan like that's real man that's that's heroic right and so i think there there is something so important to notice and to honor and respect in that like like you're you're right like like when people take that terrifying step to to live their their sexuality like they're ahead of the game man they're like yeah they did the hard work they're they're do they you know um so yeah, the uh, and one of the things that I want so badly, and and we honestly just haven't had the I'd say resources and the wherewithal and the time to do it right. But I think the real benefit, hopefully, that'll come out of what we're doing is is the um, the coming together of people who think that they're they're not similar because it it happens every fucking time, and um, we still have mostly white straight dudes that come. Um, which is fine. They need it too, but uh, it is important and not from some sort of social justice warrior place, but just from like, my God, it's life changing shit. Like when that, when that stuff goes down, it's life changing. Uh, it's amazing. It's, it's, it's what some of the most beautiful experiences I've had being alive is to feel that. Yeah. So I think, you know, it, it's important that there be a space for men um, to, to have these experiences that you're describing. But I wonder what you think about um, women. Mm-hmm. Like, obviously, women have their own journeys that they need to um, uh, attend to. But how can women um, participate or should they participate? And, or can they help in these journeys that men are going on? What, what's the role of women in this, uh, yeah. you know? So uh, I have also co-created um an entity called the reunion which is uh is is the men is is the all all gendered version of of every man and it's 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 young and it's fudging it's it's nowhere near as big as every man um but i so my deepest answer to that question is that um i think we all (laughs) you know ideally uh regardless of gender and anything um this this isn't a, this isn't just a men's thing. This isn't just a men's technology. Like what we're doing is actually just human. It's 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 tapping into a very simple, um, real part of of our human wiring. I feel like um, again, my my personal life journey has been you know for whatever reason you know both choice and happenstance. I've just happened to spend most of my life with in these in these communities of men that's it's it's where i've been so it was a natural uh, i was responding to a very real conditional place you know what i was seeing in the world um i feel like i have this ver- this story in my head where um every man and and the men's part of this the men's movement part of this is in some ways some pre-work you could call it or some um laying a foundation maybe so that you know men have the 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 foundation of vulnerability and the ability to 
uh, to show up and, and, and be this vulnerable with women. And, and, and I don't know exactly what that looks like or what that means, but I, I do believe that d- personally, I do deeply believe that there is some, um, in some sense, um, men can do some things together to take care of themselves and sort of get them to a baseline place of health. Um, and you know what, to be totally honest, I don't care how people do it, right? Like if, if a solo meditation practice or a long walk in the woods or couples therapy or, you know, um, sexuality, whatever your path is, like, I really don't care. I just feel like this is, um, this is one way to go. And the, the response, it's been touching on a, a nerve in the culture. The response has been really remarkable. Um, so, so yeah, that's, that's one. So in a practical way, how can women, um, how can women support and help is, uh, most women, I'd say 98 out of a hundred, uh, when they hear about us, they get it and they're fans and they're proponents. And so, you know, you could, you know, nudge men in this direction if you think they would help or, and there, and then there's, there are some women that are, you know, not cool with it, which is, I get it. I, I totally get that. Um, but I would say, you know, if there's somebody, if there's a man in your life and you're a woman, and you really think they would get it. I, th- I think just an honest conversation about it, right? <laughs> like just, just straight yeah. talk. I think that's, that's kind of like the, the methodology in general, right? It's just some straight talk and be honest about it. Um, but I think it does, it does, it causes shifts though, right? So if a man does get in touch with that, it does, it, 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 it can change how he communicates generally in a very positive way, but there's some wobbliness too, you know, there's definitely some wobbliness that comes along with it. Um, yeah. Yeah. If your life is based on false premises getting in touch with yourself might pull that down you know i I didn't finish my little rant about mansplaining um which i wanted to get back to because it relates to what we're talking about now my point was that i think one of the differences um between men and women and again not all men and not all women but generally is that one of the ways that men um relate to one another um, because we, I think, evolved having an object, right? Whether it's hunting or uh, building something or, you know, we, there are things we do together. We get together and we do something. You know, you know, like dudes don't get together and just like, hey, why don't the four of us get together and chat on Friday night? Like, what? Like, we got to watch a game. We got to play some poker. We got to, like, you know, help you fix your car. Like, there's got to be something we're doing, Right. Um, And so one of the ways that we express support and affection for one another is sharing information. So if you and I are hanging out and you're like, you know, yeah, I don't know this, this, uh, you know, my new truck, it's got some weird thing. Like, oh, I I know I got a friend who's a mechanic. Let me put you in touch with him or let's look at it and figure it out if I know something about mechanics. Um, And so I think sometimes that is interpreted by women as being condescending. You know, like where your car's not working, well, open the hood. Let me take a look. Let see, this is the clutch here, and this, and it's like, oh, okay, because I'm a woman. You're no, I'm not saying that doesn't happen. I'm sure it does happen. But I remember reading a book. You may have seen this book called "You Just Don't Understand." It's by Deborah Tannen. It was written in the '80s, I think. She's a linguist, and she did a study of how men and women communicate differently. And it was really interesting because the idea, what what she concluded was that um, men, you know, if if you tell me you've got a problem, 
I will try to help you solve yes. the problem. Yeah. Women, if a woman says she's got a problem, uh, another woman is more likely to say, oh, that must hurt. Exactly. That must, you know, like I relate to that problem. I, I had a problem like that once. And they'll commiserate about the problem. So when a woman tells a man she's got a problem, the man's like, well, here's how you fix it. The woman feels like, no, you're not engaging. I don't want you to fix it. I want you to feel my pain here. I want you to share this experience with me, right? Whereas a man will say, I've got a problem. The woman will be like, oh, that must feel this way. And that way, like, I, I don't want you to feel my pain. I want you to help me fix it. You know, we have these two different ways of communicating. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that causes a lot of problems. The amount of uh, hundreds or thousands of times that that has come up in, in every man groups or experiences is overwhelming. And I think that, um, yeah, another way to frame what I'll say sometimes is what we're doing is, is like for a man to be able to train himself to interact with just that level of empathy, even for a couple fucking minutes, man. Oh my God! It changes marriages. <laughs> well, it is hard, but the impact yeah. is massive. Yeah. The impact is yeah. massive, yeah. right? And it's well, you know what's really interesting too is that, um, for whatever reason, my my wife is so I'll use the words. My wife is an incredibly feminine creature, right? She's, um, you know, nothing she likes more than flowy dresses and slowly walking around in flower gardens. <laughs> you know, it's like she'd love that, it, but her um she's also far more information driven than i am right so uh. so i and i'm kind of the opposite in a sense like the one of the pain points in my life i would say is i just you know there's like like this bullshitting like kicking the tires like guys will get together and just kind of like talk about shit like i can't fucking stand it and i never have been mm. able to and and like so you know and guys love that, and I get that they love that, and I want them to love that, and I don't want to interrupt that, but I can't fucking do it. I can't deal with it, you know? And so if they want to drop in and tell me their, like, ultimate fucking truth and drop some heavy shit, I'm there, right? But just, like, but my right. wife is far more informationally uh, curious, and she loves that, you know? She would love to get in that engine and talk, you know, see that and all that. And so it's interesting, and th and that's just, you know, just another simple uh, like example or, or point on how, you know, there's something else you said earlier about how, you know, you and Rogan again said um, how some of the most masculine men you've seen were the gay men who came out. Um, but as you were saying that too, uh, my wife is going through a process now of owning her truth of owning what she's always known about herself since she was a little girl and, and going through the, the rocky and uncomfortable process of sharing it with the world. And, um, you know, I, I couldn't respect anything more out of her too. And, and so it is, it's, it is, it's just such a, it is, I've, you know, in no way do I, do I uh, think that I got a handle on this, but it's fascinating, right? The, the whole, um, yeah. and for me where it really comes, the rubber meets the road a lot here is I have two little boys, right? And fucking hey, could they have come out more different? <laughs> no, my littlest one is right. a fucking cave baby. He, he, he is, he just like, he's aggressive and he's just, gah! and then my other one is just this sort of little star child who, you know, loves yoga mm -hmm. and has a meditation practice and he's three. <laughs> it's just like, it couldn't be more different. And so I feel like I'm learning. Um, I don't know. I mean, it, it means a lot to me to 
ultimately here have a stance of uh, affirming people in who they are, right? And I don't think it'll ever be maybe possible to not um, have our preferences or our prescriptions push people into ways of being. But, you know, my, a lot of my adult life has simply been about um, helping people unwind all of the steps they've taken, all the snarls in their f- soul's fishing line to find out who the fuck they actually are, right? And so, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I guess that's that's kind of my, I guess, my deepest value if, if, I, if I were to name that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, one one thing that I think um, a lot of people assume about people like you working with men and doing men's groups and um, which clearly is not the case for you is that there's an opposition toward women. Couldn't be more true. You know, I think the the sort of, yeah, I'm sure you deal with this all the time. Like, you know, oh, you hate women. That's why you all get together in the woods and bang drums and stuff. Well, here's the thing, Chris, this is crazy though, man. And this is what I, unless I'm missing it. So the only place I'm hearing that is say comments on YouTube or something. Right. But, but I never hear it to my face. And right. I and hopefully our, what we're putting out in the world is making that obvious. But honestly, I don't get that. I, I think people imagine yeah. I'm getting that, but I'm not getting. Yeah. We're not getting that. Well, you see it in things. I mean, I see it in things like the future is female. Right. Like what? What the fuck are you talking about? The future is not female. The future is not male. By the way, the future is human. I mean, that's what I was saying earlier. Like I feel like. You know, the divide and conquer thing is the oldest trick in the book. And, you know, Sex at Dawn was largely about trying to call out this bullshit war between the sexes. There is no war between the sexes. You know, it's a it's a fantasy. It's a fallacy Um, that we're in this together. And so, you know, I feel like there's a there's an element of the Me Too movement, like believe women. Sorry. No, I, I believe people. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The fact that someone's a woman doesn't mean I'm more likely to believe them than they're a man. Um, the fact that someone claims to be a victim. I'm sorry. You still need to check that out. You know, you don't just throw a dude in prison because a woman accused him of something um, nor vice versa. Right. I mean, it. it's I feel like there's this sort of, um, you know, the pendulum swinging. And I this is why I was ranting about manspreading and mansplaining and. I don't think men are necessarily, I don't think men are the problem, right? Just like I don't think women are the problem. Yeah. I feel like the problem is, uh, as you were very eloquently saying, an, an absence of authenticity or a fear of owning one's true nature and being open about that. Um, but I'm really glad to see that like, there's nothing in what you've been saying that's in any way hostile toward women. Couldn't be. Yeah, man. I fucking love women more than anything. You know, like I like my wife's out on the steps out in front of me. I mean, like, yeah, I mean, I, there is the first, it's the opposite. It's actually just the opposite, you know, the, the, and I think it's, and it's true for the guys that come to us and the guys that leave, you know, that like what most guys come to us for is that, God, they love their wife or they want a wife or they want a partner and, and like it's hard and they don't know how to, they want to do it better. They want to love more, you know, and it's the, the thing that I have to, I guess, maybe unveil to the world is, is how good men's men are at their core. When, Hmm. when you give them the opportunity to get all the way real, like, ah, they just want to fucking love, you know, and, and not to, and I think that's, that's part of the 
the whole path of sharing this message and getting this word out there it's it's not that's not a that's not probably a popular thing to say or it's it's hard to talk about in the way that people don't recoil um necessarily but it's true it's simply true like we're we're ignoring the sort of like the biggest parts of ourselves right we're just kind of imagining or pretending that they're not fucking there and it it's not helpful that's not helping anybody and i i agree i think that when it comes to the the believing women and and i i i definitely hear and and i i think i can align with with your opinion there i also um my wife has had lots of sexual abuse and some of it very violent and terrible and i've also uh, been in relationships with other women who who so i also have like a, a deep protective thing that comes out in me and um really really deep protective thing and again i would never want um would never want to not have the truth be the truth to emerge right but um when it comes down to it if i had to take some some side in that i just at this point may, maybe that'll change in the future but like I, I come down on the side of women at this point just because of um the yeah i I heard you say something in, in one of the videos I watched, which is that hurt people hurt people. Yeah. Right. This yeah. is one of those lines. So I, I don't feel my, my personal sense is that, um, you know, men are bigger and stronger. And so there's a, a vulnerability that women have that's just built in. Um, and, uh, I, I also feel a lot of compassion and, and protectiveness around that. But I also feel like men who hurt women have been hurt. And so there's no, you know, in the ultimate analysis, it's, it's you know, again, I, I try not to envision it as men against women or perpetrators and victims. You know, like I think that's every healthy, perpetrator is a victim. I think that's super healthy. The, the thing that I would maybe add on or tack on to that, and this is, again, take it with a grain of salt but i also think ignorant people hurt women or hurt each other right and so this isn't yeah. ignorant in a in a in a damning any one way but i do one thing i'm quite clear of is how we uh the lack of honoring the sexuality of i mean you could say just males but it's everybody but young people the lack of honesty about it I think mm. engenders a level of ignorance that is deeply reprehensible and leads to a lot of what we're talking about leads to a lot of like, even yeah. myself, like I never raped anybody. I've never like attacked anybody. I did some stupid shit when I was drunk as a kid that I, that I really wish I hadn't done, you know? And that wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't abused. I wasn't harmed. Um, I was super fucking ignorant though. And I had these, this raging sexuality and hormones through my body and had no fucking no knowledge of how to do anything with it. You know? Well, that's the thing. I think, you know, one of the, the fuels that kept in me writing sex at dawn is that I think the ignorance you're describing is a form of abuse. I would agree with you. It's a form of cultural abuse, right? So many 14 year old boys are disgusted by themselves. They hate themselves. They hate how obsessed they are with sex. They hate how much they masturbate. They, you know, they, they associate self-loathing with their own sexual appetites. 
And so what does that lead to? It leads to violence against themselves. It leads to shame. It leads to misogyny against women because they want something so bad that no woman wants to give them when they're 14 or 15 years old, you know? Um, so, yeah, I agree with you, but I, I do think that, uh, you know, I, I talked about this study by James Prescott. He looked at all the societies that had been studied by anthropologists. There's this anthropological database and he went through and he wanted to see whether or not there was an association between um, how much uh, a given society respects and allows the expression of teenage sexuality and how violent that society was. And I think there were 27 societies that had both of those measures in the anthropological database and 26 of them had... Uh, the correlation was very strong between repression of teenage sexuality and high level of violence. So there yeah, you I go. Mean, I, I couldn't, you, you, you couldn't find a, a more uh, aligned compatriot about that, man. I mean, I, I'm with you. I, I think, you know, uh, that, that riled me up so much to my core that I just immediately would be like, what the fuck are we going to do about that? How are we going to like that? It has to change, like it's it's it yeah. has to like like I don't know that riles me up. It's so yeah. it's so real, yeah. and I, I just I guess to I do think that the yeah as when we started you said you know that some of the social and emotional stuff is probably um, some of a rift caused by uh, sexuality. I, I think you're I think you're right, um, and I think. Like we can, we can, we can teach all of that. Like there's actually not any operational, there's not like any logical or rational thing blocking us from teaching sexuality in a full way and emotionality in a full way that doesn't like, there's not, it's, it's all this inner resistance. It's all, I mean, it's all these other things, but yeah, I mean, maybe I just got to. I'm willing right in this moment to quit, quit what I'm doing next tomorrow and go after this sexuality thing. Like that's how, that's how strongly I feel about it right now. Well, let me know if you need any help with that. <laughs> hey, listen, Dan, thank you. It's, I've, I've taken over an hour of your time. I don't, I don't want to take up your whole day. I know you've got your, your wife out there and on the porch, you want to get to her. So uh, let's wrap this up. Tell people where they can learn more about you and find your stuff. Yeah, everyman.com. We cut an E out of everyman. It's E-V-R-Y-M-A-N.com. Basically, everything is there. Uh, during these uh, these the COVID time when everybody is, is, is kind of shut in, we are running free drop-in men's groups for anybody around the globe right now. Go to our homepage and sign up for, for a meeting. I'm leading a lot of them. Um, come, come check mm, it out. Cool. Uh, yeah. And we're on Instagram, all the other all places right. too. But every man, E V R Y man. All right, cool. Thanks, Thanks Dan. Okay, mom. Uh, tell people what they can order from the garage. Okay, in our cottage garage, we have lots and lots of T-shirts: "Sex at Dawn," "Civilized to Death," "Vanthropology," "Tangentially Speaking," "Paleo Modern," and talking out of my ass <laughs> she didn't like saying that last one then we now have some new things added we've got beer cozies 
or koozies or whatever they're called. Oh, civilized to death design. They're all civilized That's right. to death. We have stickers and car decals, right? Yes. Okay. There you have it. That's Julie, my mom. He said, baby, what's a big deal? Feel what you want to feel. Say what you want to say. You're going to die one day. For example, I could kiss you just because I want to. What's the difference if you turn away? I'm going to die one day. Why do you waste your time thinking about your reputation? Trying to meet an expectation, wondering what they're going to say. Doesn't ask for much A little music and a soft touch Why don't you let it out to play Your heart is in a birdcage Singing in your chest You wanna shut it up but give it a rest You're gonna die one day Why do we waste our time Thinking about a reputation Dance into the ground.